Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Join me on the fourth annual homecoming and pilgrimage to Sierra Leone on December 28, 2021 through January 9, 2022. We will be exploring this beautiful country and eligible individuals will be receiving Sierra Leonean citizenship and passports. For more details, check out our website, SierraLeonePilgrimage.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel, Goham Lifestyle Vlogs, because we all need an Africa escape plan. to all of my melanated kings and queens, my brothers and sisters in Africa as well as South Africa, and to all of my listening audience around the globe. I welcome each and every one of you back to another episode of CWTG. As you know, I'm Teddy G, your host, and on this channel, you know we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. Y'all go grab yourself a favorite cup of coffee, tea, or latte, or whatever it is that you prefer to drink, and join me for the next few minutes, ladies and gentlemen, as we talk about the um, horrible statement that was made by uh, an attorney for William um, Rodney Bryant, where he says black pastors are not welcome in this courtroom, and if they want to have one, that's fine, but that's it. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard me say it. These are his words, not mine. So, we're going to do a little housekeeping because you know we keep our dirty laundry clean around here at the studios and chilling with Teddy G with the Copyright Disclaimer Act of 1976 under Title 17, that is Section 107. Allowances is made for the uh, fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. Nonprofit education or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this uh, pastor, excuse me, this uh, attorney or lawyer who actually let his true colors come out yesterday because we all know that he's receiving a lot of backlash for making that statement that we don't want uh, a, a big collaboration of uh, a black pastors uh, uh, storming this courtroom and, and uh, interfering with the uh, jury, which is uh, not only an inaccurate statement, but it's, it's, a, uh, it's a public uh, a courtroom. Okay, so the public is welcome. The um, <clears throat> the family can have it's just as many people as they want in there. What the courtroom will allow and hold, mind you, and as long as they're obeying by the uh, court rules, you know, and not disturbing or actually messing with the case. If they're sitting there listening in, they have every right to do so. Well, by him making this statement, ladies and gentlemen, in my opinion, I think he caused his uh, defendants more harm than he did good because they just had a few pastors there, mind you, to uh, uh, for emotional support, 
whether they're political uh, or high-profile pastors or not, is a is of no consequence. But since you want to uh, go out in uh, on in public record and say that uh, you've got an issue with uh, black pastors being in there, you just call for more black pastors to come down. In my opinion. You just you just uh, 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 did a disservice to your clients by actually bringing race in it. It might, if, you know, I understand that you feel in that way, but you know, if you shouldn't have used the word black, period. Okay, pastors or or clergy or whatever would have been more appropriate than you putting a race to the particular pastors. Okay. That though the emphasis on there that should not have been allowed. You shouldn't have let that come out of your mouth. And I don't care if you say you've been in this business uh, 30 years or not. That shows to me inexperience or a lack of uh, concern for your paying clients, which happens to, in this case, to be these defendants. Which I ain't gonna say that I'm uh, salty about because I'm not, but I can guarantee you he's not only is he gonna receive a barrage of backlash. You just told pastors from um, all over the uh, country to come and uh, interrupt this courtroom or these proceedings. Well, I ain't gonna say the courtroom or the proceedings, but I will say your clients. <clears throat> excuse me, your clients' case. By them coming outside, I don't care if they even just stand out there on the courtroom steps and let lamestream media record them uh, uh, out there on the steps uh, um, protesting your comments. Let's go to uh, BNC News and get an update on this story. This is Making the Case. I'm Yuri Tewalde. The trial of three men accused of killing Ahmad Arbery has the nation's attention tonight. Divisive and what most would call racist statements made by one of the defense attorneys sparked outrage on social media. Now those comments have prompted black pastors from across the country to make plans to head to Georgia. BNC's Dre Clark has the latest from Brunswick tonight. When defense attorney Kevin Goff made those incendiary comments in the courtroom on Thursday, it upset not only people who were sitting in the courtroom, but also here in the community and all across the country. Before the jury was brought in, defense attorney Kevin Goff addressed the court. And my apologies to anyone who might have inadvertently been offended. Goff's entire mea culpa lasted close to 30 seconds. It was far less than the three minutes he spent in court Thursday claiming Reverend Al Sharpton's recent appearance in the courtroom with the Arbery family intimidated jurors. But it's what he said next that made eyes roll and mouths drop. Obviously, there's only so many pastors they can have. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine, but then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. Almost immediately, Goff's words went viral, trending quickly on social media. Ben Crump saying in the tweet, it's not illegal for black pastors to support the parents of Ahmad Arbery. Going on to say, we are going to bring 100 black pastors to pray with the family next week. The other defense attorneys who sit next to golf in court also found his words offensive. It's a ridiculous comment. 
And when we try approaching golf, do you think you, what sir. you said yesterday was was racist in any way? What I say in court, I say in court. He was deflective and reluctant to speak with us. But no one was more offended than Wanda Cooper Jones, Ahmad Arbery's mother. What golf said yesterday was very insensitive. Um, I, I don't see how anyone could see Al Sharpton's presence as being something that was negative. The first full week of testimony concluded with prosecutors calling more law enforcement to testify. Prosecutors say Gregory and Travis McMichael, along with William Bryan, murdered Ahmad Arbery because they thought he was a black criminal. The three men have pleaded not guilty, claiming Arbery's killing was self-defense. Next week, we're expecting black pastors from all across the country to make the trip here to Brunswick, Georgia, to sit and to pray with Ahmad Arbery's family and also to send a message to defense attorney Kevin Goff that they are here and there's absolutely nothing he can do about it. Court resumes on Monday morning. In Brunswick, Georgia, I'm Dre Clark. Now you see that, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what I was talking about. You have sparked outrage all over the country, not just for the Ahmad Avery family, ladies and gentlemen, but for any uh, melanated individual the entire <clears throat> religious community, not just black pastors, but any pastor now will, will take offense to you and that statement that you made because that they're, they're spiritually, morally, ethically obligated not to let that just go by. Any pastor worth his uh, salt, uh, will be out there on them uh, court steps uh, protesting or more or less supporting the family of Ahmad Avery, which to me did more damage to your uh, defense case than good. There's only so many pastors they can have. And if they're pastors Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here or other Jesse Jackson, whoever was in was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family. If my statements yesterday were overly broad, I will follow up with a more specific motion on Monday, uh, putting that and those concerns in the proper context. And my apologies to anyone who might have inadvertently been offended. Well, on Monday, he can make all of the emotions that he wants to make in court. I believe the judge is pretty much ruled on um, or gave his comments on how he feels about that. And he said he is not going to blanket anyone from being able to uh, enter this courtroom to listen to this uh, trial. So all so you can make all the emotions you want. You can make all the apologies you want. You can make all the comments and statements that you want to make, but ladies and gentlemen, the damage has been done and the wheels are turning now against him and his client um, right now. So he's going to, uh, uh, he's going to get his uh, client locked up, in my opinion. That's my legal, that's my professional, that's my personal opinion, ladies and gentlemen. I guarantee you at the end of this trial, his client is going to jail. Let's go to BNC's uh, uh, legal panelists and analysts and see exactly what they have to say on uh, this horrible 
uh, thing that he has done to his uh, uh, client's case. Um, but William Bryant specifically has had to deal with his lawyer's reckless mouth. I mean, even the lawyer representing one of the McMichaels called Goff's comments asinine and wanted to make clear that neither he or his client agreed with what he said. Uh, what is your reaction to his statements? Well, thank you. First of all, why <laughs> would you raise that issue about how many pastors they can have, and I'll come back to the they in a moment. But secondly, how dare you raise that issue in the context of race? Are you kidding me to raise that issue mm -hmm. in this case and in this trial is so offensive, and I hope it was offensive to everyone in the jury as well, everyone in that courtroom, so that they see that this, tra this case translates into an offensive race case once again. It was so offensive, but the question that I raised that I wanted to know is, who is the they? Are you talking about black people? How dare you speak for the community that you know nothing about? And how dare you present it in court as an adoptive admission as if you are the authority that gets to speak for white people about what's allowed in a courtroom that's not your courtroom in a case that's about race that you, sir, are on the wrong side of? Sit down. I'm offended, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, it goes without saying, there's no legal analysis here because it doesn't rise to the level of legal analysis because it's pure ignorance, it's pure bigotry, and it's pure racism, and that's all it is. So I'll just leave it at that. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Toya, I'm in 100% agreement passes. with him. Your thoughts. Because that's right, you can't speak about what the family can do you can't speak about what's allowed in that courtroom. You certainly can't speak for the entire Mzungu race. And all you did in the, uh, this legal analysis opinion was show your ignorance and show your bigotry. That's the reason why I say, ladies and gentlemen, all he did was, without uh, physically doing it, he put his white hood and his white cape on and his white shroud. And, and uh, let everybody know exactly uh, what he stands for. Because what he said, ladies and gentlemen, had no legal basis, no uh, um, motion, no legal motion in the courtroom. He just simply um, <clears throat> got um, ignorant about the fact that uh, the family has support from um, high-profile uh, black pastors, okay, and, and, and black attorneys. And I'm sure that he's not too happy that one of the uh, prosecutors on there is a, a, a black female. I mean, he should have just stuck to his guns and defended his clients along with the fact that we already know how Mzungu privilege is playing into this case. That's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, why they got um, one black juror on the case and 11 Mzungus that's on the jury, So, which is also uh, questionable. You know, the, how did y'all end up with the... Uh, one black juror on the case and 12 white jurors. 
I mean, I, this should have been a mix of individuals on that jury panel, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, some some uh, some Azungu, some some Asians, uh, some some uh, uh, Mexicans, uh, some some blacks, anything other than a panel of of eleven Mazungu jurors and one black juror. Y'all, you were doing fine. Okay, uh, your your case wasn't that great but you uh, the arguments from a lot of the attorneys for the defense were were pretty much holding their own you just did damage to all of them and i guarantee you when this trial resumes on monday they're going to start distancing themselves away from um william rodney bryan and his attorney uh golf and you watch and see what i tell you isn't uh accurate Let's return to this legal panel and see exactly what they have to say. Latoya, he said black pastors. Your thoughts? He said black pastors. And, you know, sometimes we like to think you don't want to dignify ignorance with a response, but this certainly deserves a response. Um, it is clear that um, this attorney spoke from his heart. Um, he said what he meant and he meant what he said. Uh, but the message that we should take is this. We cannot forget that Ms. Jones is a survivor of homicide. Her child was murdered at the hands of three white men. That's the bottom line. Uh, what is clear, however, is that the underlying reason for the murder was race and race related. And that counsel for the defendants, and I say plural, because even if they are outraged today, no one said anything at the time in question. Many times when we are in court, the right time and the right time to say something, either object or to join in a motion is immediately. Not to let any time pass, but it has to be contemporaneous. So the reality is, exactly. this attorney said what he meant and he meant what he said. They don't want black people in that courtroom. They know the power in numbers. They know the power in the Negro spiritual. Yes. They know the power in a support from the community. Exactly. And they like to pretend that keeping us away from the courtroom is somehow going to give their clients some leverage. That's not going to happen. Exactly. Well, Dre uh, mentioned that in his response to this, or in the response to the, his comments, we could see more black pastors from across Georgia in Brunswick next week and across the country. Um, let's listen to what Ahmad's mother, Ms. Wanda Cooper-Jones, had to say about it. What Goff said yesterday was very insensitive. Um, I, I don't see how anyone could to see Al Sharpton's presence as being something that was negative. He know that my family and I are going through some very, very trying times. And anyone who can come and sit with us to give us any sort of any, any sort of inspiration and encouragement, I mean, it can't be found upon. It's all good. And we've been told that it's possible maybe some more pastors will come in the future. What do you have to say about that? They will be embraced because at this time um, we've made it, I've made it this far because of prayer and from the God that I know. And if they, if they want to come and help us out and pray with us, I mean, they're more than welcome. Paul, um, you know about the prayer and the vigil from a few days ago um, where Reverend Al Sharpton appeared along with several of the family's attorneys. Now, I didn't question the prayers and the support shown for the Arbery family, but I did question 
the presence of the media and the attorneys discussing the evidence and, and making the case to the public. You can pray and support the family without the presence of the media. Why discuss the merits of the case? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. She didn't just say that. Public knowing they aren't the ones who will be deciding guilt or innocence if you didn't want to influence a jury. You are a melanated individual. How could you even ask such a question? Well, you know what that tells me? That tells me that you are a, a, a blue boule, black boule, in my opinion, because you know all too well how uh, discussing the case, being supportive of, uh, of the uh, family that is going through this hardship of this homicide of their child or their family member and uh, uh, how our presence needs to be uh, out there in order to uh, gain any traction. We, we, we cannot sit and be silent as what you're suggesting or you're saying prayer is fine, but don't discuss the case. Don't go public. Don't do any of the things that we need to do. In this case, ladies and gentlemen, silence is, excuse me, is not golden. No. And I'm sure that this legal panelist will agree with that. Let's hear exactly what he has to say. Well, I think it's really important, especially in a case like this, that people, especially disenfranchised communities and communities of color, do have conversations in association with sometimes these prayers and the prayer vigils where people are called in groups to action. And that makes the conversations more palatable. We can't fix what we don't talk about. And we can't talk about what we don't know. So I think exactly. issues like the ones that are raised in the Ahmaud Aubrey case in particular shine the light on transgressions with our criminal justice system beyond just the issue of things like vigilantism. So we have to talk about the reaction of police to crime scenes, the interaction of law enforcement with victims, the interaction of law enforcement with people of color, how people are charged with crime, how people are sentenced in crime, all of those race disparities that have to be unpacked it makes us all better advocates if we understand those systems. And so I'm not offended by those conversations. And I don't connect those conversations to an intervention or jury notification. There's separate issues. And I support that pastors want to be a part of supporting the community and the family by being there and participating in these gatherings that ultimately, exactly. at the end of the day, uplift communities of color and other disenfranchised communities about our criminal justice system. All right, brother. All right. Well said. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know where she came with that. Now, she just lost a couple of points with me, okay, asking that question right there. And I know y'all probably out there ain't going to like it because y'all saying, Ted, she's only doing her job. But, oh, no. Oh, no, honey. There's certain things on my job that I just simply will not allow, even from my bosses, and I would tell them so. Oh, no, I'll tell him in a minute. All right, listen, that's not going to happen. Or, excuse me, I don't support that. Or, I think that's just outright wrong. I think that's just outright bigotry. I was very voiceful, and I am very voiceful now, when it comes to uh, good and evil, right and wrong, light and day, what's done in the dark will come to the light. I stand on these principles and uh, 
And for you to say anything contrary to that fact right there makes me believe that your paycheck is more important than your people. That's coming from Teddy G. You know, as far as the defense goes, this is a pretty high hill to 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 hoe. Um, at the end of the day, the best the defense can do is raise the defense that they've raised thus far, which is self-defense. Unfortunately, unfortunately, if their argument is that we had probable cause to make a citizen's arrest of Mr. Arbery, yet they cannot articulate any crime being committed, it makes it very difficult. At this point, honestly, they can only talk about mitigation. So in terms of how is the defense doing, I believe from the conduct of counsel throwing that Hail Mary about black pastors to um, trying to cross-examine at least our last uh, witness that's still on the scene, uh, Special Investigator Seacrest, the best they can do is raise the possible defense of self-defense, but I don't think it's going to get them very far. I don't In terms that. of the state, I think the state is really doing a phenomenal job in trying to compartmentalize the elements of the offenses as they are charged. Uh, as we heard today, uh, Inspector uh, Seacrest advised that he interviewed Brian, and Brian was very clear, the reason we stopped Aubrey is because it was instant. That falls far below the threshold, woefully short of this concept of probable cause. That's a mere hunch, if anything, at best. Instinct. Did you hear that? She's trying to say that these three white defendants who murdered Ahmaud Arbery in their modern-day hunting and lynching style that they used back in the day, like slave catchers, they went off of instinct. And what is their instinct? Their instinct is there's a black man running. He must have done something. Catch him, lynch him. That's their thinking. That's their instinct. That's the way they operate. Okay? And in today's society, when you're caught as they were, those activities are unacceptable and you're going to be potentially punished to the full extent of the law. And you notice I use the word potentially because we still have all type of biases in the judicial system and through uh, law enforcement as well, because we all know that they offer no assistance to um, Ahmad Avery when uh, they saw him laying in the middle of the road dying. The first officer on the scene did absolutely nothing. Okay, we, and he went to the uh, defense of fearing for his life because he had two of his uh, uh, armed individuals who had just shot Ahmad Avery, not secure, so he wanted to wait for backup. Okay, listen, you put them in the back of your patrol car, and then you immediately go and offer assistance to the uh, victim. There's hundreds of things that he could have done in order to assist Ahmad Avery. What he did do, though, is assist his fellow Mzungus in making sure that the um, victim died from his injuries. Now, that's my personal opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Let's go to this uh, other legal analyst to see what he has to say. Um, I think they're doing a, a decent job. Some of my concerns are some of the issues that we've been talking about, I'll bet about how they have to dance around introducing the evidence and the testimony without shifting the focus of accountability from, onto law enforcement away from the defendant, their bad behavior. And we know 
there are so many things and the litany of them are falling out as we're getting the testimony and the evidence about the things that law enforcement did not do or the things that they did inappropriately by not offering to try and help Ahmaud Aubrey as he bled to death and just died in the street. Exactly. As they bestowed privileges upon all of the defendants at every step of the way. All of those things, I think, can be distractions to the jury. And so it's a, a harder time for the prosecution to lay those things out and stay focused on the actual case so that people are considering and evaluating the bad behavior of the defendants. From the defense's side, I think some of the things that are really inappropriate and will come back to bite them, or at least I hope that it does, are casting aspersions and trying to paint Ahmaud Aubrey as a bad person, as qualifying his movements as suspicious and threatening and engaging and talking about him having the audacity to exist. I hope that that comes back to bite them, and I'm offended by it every time I see it from the defense presentation about their questioning and about how they raised and introduced evidence in their cases. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I guarantee you the studios are chilling with Teddy G. We're going to be staying on top of this case. We're going to resume to um, watching it on Monday when it uh, comes back. And uh, we're going to see exactly what the judge has to say or what motions that attorney uh, Goff is going to try to uh, introduce on Monday. And we'll definitely be reporting on that. I want you all to continue to uh, support this station with whatever um, uh, financial contributions that you can make because this station is 100% supported off of a listening uh, audience. Okay. We have no monetization from commercials or anything, although you do hear some black businesses commercials on this channel, which are 100 percent free. We don't charge them for their advertisement. We're simply trying to support black businesses. So please, guys, support the black businesses that you hear on this channel, as well as supporting this station. I want y'all to continue to do your social distancing because we'll never be out of the woods with this uh, COVID-19 and all of the new variances that's out here. We're living in a new world. There's a new normal. So y'all get yourselves adjusted to that. You might as well continue to be wearing your outer gear. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, your safety outer gear, it should be now a part of your normal dress code. Okay, to keep you and your family and your loved ones safe and to help reduce the spread of this virus. All the uh, um, things that you should be mandating for your family is a part of the uh, new normal in this uh, world of uh, viruses that uh, doesn't seem to be decreasing, but seems to be escalating in um, variances from the uh, original strain. So y'all continue to take care of your immune system, continue to wear your outer gear, and continue to do all that you can to reduce the spread of this virus. I tell y'all these things for only one reason and one reason only, and that's because I love you. Loving you guys is my food, and Teddy G is hungry each and every single day of his life. And until I have the opportunity to address you guys again, I bid each and every one of you peace, love, and soul.